If you were expecting the soothing tune, or I guess soothing tones of Duke, he's out. He's out. I think I destroyed his soul after destroying him in the running back draft in week number six. My Derrick Henry pick almost outscored his entire roster. Okay, fine. No, uh, Duke's taking over the MMA product over at Elite Fantasy. Something had to go because, well, MMA takes up a ton of time. So, the Siege Mentality Podcast went, but that's okay, because we adapt here. We bring on, probably, if I had a pick of co-hosts, which I guess I technically did, I got my number one choice. You guys know him <laughs> as Ricky Sanders. He's over at Elite Fantasy, Elite Sports Betting. Not a fantasy guru, but that's okay, Ricky. We still love you anyways. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make the cut for that one. It was... It was a tough scene, but uh, yeah, happy to be here. Another show where we're talking football, as if you didn't get enough, you know, an hour on Sundays, Ricky and Siege, and if you were in our side chat, you would be even more entertained, and we sometimes take it to Twitter, but should be fun. It was a fun Thursday night game, especially for those who uh, bet the Giants like I did. Uh, was was funny on Twitter, uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to talking to the weekend after you know a good yesterday. You always you're always better off to get me in a good mood as opposed to just like sulking, Ricky, which which does happen from time to time. That's all right. As you know, I'm not sulking today either. I'm in a good mood today as well. Uh, we've had a couple of really nice days on the prop bets over at Elite Sports Betting. The Siege Mentality Podcast, of course, is brought to you by Elite Sports Betting. Ricky and I are over there. He does the uh, what is it? Proper Education Show. I do yep. taking shots with Siege. Uh, so we're over there daily. But as Ricky mentioned, too, if you are looking for our Sunday morning thoughts, we do go an hour into all the games from Fantasy's perspective over at Elite Fantasy. So check that out. And if you're an Elite Sports betting member, we'll, we'll leave a little secret here. Um, if just email support and be like, hey, I want to add on Elite Fantasy, they'll hook, they'll hook you up. Uh, you'll get a pretty sweet deal. We don't publicize it, but it's true. Um, so... With that, we're going to talk a little Thursday Night Football. I mean, i got to be honest. I kind of almost watched more of the debate than I did the game because I just was tired of watching Daniel Jones get sacked and fumble <laughs> and trip over himself and Carson Wentz do no better. I mean, it was great from a prop betting perspective, but kind of once all my props hit, I kind of went, meh, I'm done. This game sucks. It's a good, bad game. I guess I tuned on for like the final drive, but... I saw the Boston Scott catch, which I think is really all I needed to see, right? Yeah, I mean, if you bet the game like I did and you had Giants plus five, it also wasn't even that interesting down the stretch because the Giants were up, what was it, like, uh, it was like five or six going down the stretch here. Like, even if they turn the ball over here and the Eagles score, like, then I need a catastrophe. So, yeah, I was with you. It was like once I thought everything was settled in that game, it was debate time. And I did watch the end because I tweeted it. I was like, what, how Daniel Jones would this be that they just give up the lead, they get the football back, and then they give up the backdoor cover on a turnover? And he turns the ball <laughs> over, but luckily there, luckily there was no return uh, because then they just needed out. But it was so close to being like the doomsday scenario where you could have gotten you know the other split personality side of me. But 
wasn't the most exciting Thursday night game, but at least it was close to the betting line. And that's really all we care about in terms of excitement. Yeah, I don't know about you. I don't like excitement with my bets, man. I, I, I like to be <laughs> up the whole time and just enjoying life. That That's normally my go-to, uh, which was nice. The Corey Cle- I have to admit, Corey Clement over receiving prop was a little worrisome when, like, heading into the bottom of the first quarter, or, like, like two minutes ago, I was like, um, has he played a snap yet? <laughs> and then he, as he said that in the chat, he hops on the field and literally catches a 12-yard pass that play. And I was like, well, that's fun. hey didn't you once tell me that uh you didn't approve of a bet that i put in the bet pack because it won too early and there was no sweat i I think i was kidding though (laughs) i don't think i was serious about that yeah i don't don't think you were either (laughs) there's nothing better than the bets that went right away uh then greg ward jr receptions props you guys got me on that too it was a great night it was a good game um i I, it was a good bad game i I view that as like the epitome of a good bad game yeah, there's a lot of those in the NFL, and as long as good is somewhere in the sentence, we're happy. Honestly, as long as there's the word, the football game is on schedule, uh, I'm, I'm good right. with that this season. Um, <laughs> That's true. All right, so as we always do, we will do a running back draft. Well, I, I filled in Ricky with the details. Uh, we It's a four-round snake draft, and since Duke is gone, no more bailouts. You make a bad pick, it's not getting deleted. You're taking four. You add up all four scores, that's it. No bailouts if you take a bad pick. You better not make a bad pick or it's going to hurt you the way it should be. Uh, We will take an alternate in case something happens with COVID, obviously. Like if a game gets canceled, then you don't get caught in that scenario. This is Um, just raw score, by the way? Raw DK points, my friend. Raw Uh, DK points. The first pick alternates every week. I had it last week. Uh, I took Derrick Henry, which is basically how I won, but we'll ignore that fact. Ricky, you do have the first overall pick. We snaked this up. Fire away, my friend. Well, let me first ask, are you willing to trade the second pick? Because I want to dominate the top of the board this week. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I'm actually, if we're not wheeling a deal, this is a pretty obvious one. There I mean, if guys. you want to give me the first pick, let me, let me just... No, I, no, 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 no. I want to trade you all my other picks to get the second pick. I'll take the sec- first, second, and then, like, the, the last four yeah, picks. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I'm not giving you the two best players in the draft. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to happen this week. Well... Michael Thomas being out makes Alvin Kamara the sure thing RB1 this week, in my opinion, against Carolina. There's just so many targets there. If you were worried at all that the targets weren't going to be there, Michael Thomas being forced to sit again should ease whatever, you know, concerns you had. I guess on a week-to-week basis, your other concern is Latavius Murray, but I personally think there's going to be enough passing volume, especially if we're using DK points, that I have him separating himself from the field even though I like someone pretty close as number two. But, yeah, Alvin Kamara sure thing number one for me this week. Yeah, if you guys heard me typing, it's just because I typed in my two picks. I think they're pretty self-explanatory. I'm taking Derrick Henry because, well, he's Derrick Henry. And I'm taking Aaron Jones because, well, it's the Houston defense. It's the highest total of the week, and Green Bay is going to put up a lot of points. Don't think there's much surprise there, Ricky. Which is one of the Which one was the one you wanted? Aaron Jones was the yeah. one that I wanted. Yeah, I, 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 that was not, yeah, no, not letting you have him. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think those are pretty self-explanatory sp- spots. I think your next pick is pretty self-explanatory. And then that's where I think the draft starts to get a little interesting after that. Yeah, I think my next pick, I think you're, I'm trying to think who you think it is. I'm taking Kareem Hunt yeah, um, with, with the next one. 
Uh, I know there are other backs on the roster who take some of the workload, but I think this is clearly a good spot for him against Cincinnati. Who, where are they? Why can't I find them right now? Uh, Cincinnati is 23rd in rushing DVOA, 18th in overall DVOA defense. Kareem Hunt should be involved in the passing game, so I've got him next. And then I think you're right. There's a legitimate question of where we go after this. Oh, man. I think it's a two-horse race. It's a matter of do we think that the benching of Zeke last week was legitimate and going to keep going, or do we think he bounces back in a big way versus Washington that offensive line is hurt? Because I've got some questions about him, I'm going to go my guy Mike Davis with the next pick. Um, again, just like a poor man's McCaffrey. Is New Orleans the perfect matchup? I don't think so. They're, you know, eighth in DVOA, fourth against the run. But it's really in the passing game where he gets a ton of his production. So I'm just going to keep playing him as, you know, an RB2 and a wide receiver two all in one. And for that reason, I'm taking him over Zeke. Interesting. So I was not considering either one of those um, for this. Interesting for these picks. Yeah, I had three guys. I kind of thought you were going to take one, and was going to make my job easy. Now it, the job becomes a little bit more hard for me. Um, interesting. Okay, one of these guys I just don't think you're going to take. So I think I'll just leave him for the alternate slot. I just would be stunned if you take him. So let me go with God, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. I think I know who your guy is. Give me Ronald Jones here. Um, Tampa Bay against Las Vegas. This is one of the biggest offense versus defensive line mismatches on both sides of the football. Yes, there's COVID concerns here. Um, and that's fine. I, I won't take another running back from this team and I'll have an alternative if I need it. But that being said, if this game plays... Um, I, I just don't know how Tampa doesn't destroy that Vegas makeshift offensive line. I heard a couple of those guys might come off the COVID list. I, I'm pretty skeptical of this one. I think it's going to be a situation where they play all five backups um, in this spot. And if they don't, even if they get two guys back, they'll have had zero practice reps as a unit. Um, Tampa Bay's defensive line is so strong. I just think Tampa's going to have the ball the entire time. So. Give me Ronald Jones. Uh, I, I just think that that's just kind of a really high floor spot for him. Thoughts on that before I take my next pick, which is really going to be I'm going to I'm going to take a guy, and then if you take my other guy, I'm going to be crushed. <laughs> um, I mean, if we're going per dollar, this would be a very different draft if we're talking DraftKings. So, I mean, I'm I'm going raw scores here. Ronald Jones, I think, is one of the better matchups. I think Vlad just posted in chat how Tampa Bay has just an ultra-huge advantage in terms of their offensive line versus the Vegas defensive line. Ronald Jones ran all over the Packers last week. I certainly think you're right in the time of possession. I think that that's a completely fine pick. That's a guy I'm considering this week for Daily Fantasy. I'm just going off my raw rankings, which might be a mistake having not done this before, but that's how I'm approaching this. Okay, uh, for the next, for my final pick, uh, I'm going to take Chris Carson. Um, just a super high total game, and while I expect a lot of the production to be through the air, I do think he gets a touchdown or two in this spot here. Um, we kind of saw it last last game out for Seattle, like the red zone work, fin he finally got some, uh, finally got in the end zone. 
I know Carlos Hyde's probably going to be back, but he's still dealing with a shoulder injury. I'm not expecting him to just start stealing red zone carries. So I'll take Chris Carson. He's in a 56 total here. Again, I think the floor is pretty high. Yeah, that's that's actually who I had next on my board. Um, after Zeke, who I'm going to take here. I mean, I think, I think Zeke still should get a majority of the workload unless he fumbles once or twice early. If he fumbles but, once, he's done, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's within the range of outcomes. But, I mean, what else is Dallas going to do on offense? They're passing offense. Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard, and Tony Pollard. I guess. I thought. I think that was a victim, uh, or that was because of the circumstance. I, I guess I could be wrong here. I'm not playing much Zeke. In fact, I have Zeke as the underweight running back of the week in daily fantasy because of the price compared to some of the other guys I like. But I think in terms of raw score, like can he get to 100 and a touchdown, and do I like him more than some of these other guys slightly lower down the board? Yeah, I do. So Zeke would be my next pick, and then I have an alternate pick. You do have an alternate in case you know something was to happen. You said I wasn't going to take a guy. I wonder if it's this guy, Giovanni Bernard. No, it's is, not that guy. This is who I'm taking. I, yeah. I know there's some competition here. Travion Williams is, should be there. I forgot they're, they're uh, elevating someone else off the practice squad. I don't remember who. But there should, there's going to be three active backs. But, I mean, Giovanni Bernard already had a role on this offense, so I feel pretty good. He is a pass-catching back, so in terms of his DK floor, you definitely have to feel good about that. And when he has played without Joe Mixon, and I know this has you know been in seasons past, but he's been like an RB, a true RB one, about twenty DK fantasy points per week. So I hope that translates at least close enough. This is a below average Cleveland defense in general, especially against the run. I think Gio Bernard is a great play. We're talking about you know what, where's his ownership level is going to get to this weekend. I'm not sure I care. Forty five hundred. I don't see any safer bet in that price range at any position. Yeah, uh, he should definitely be the mega chalk for sure. Um, you know, we look at snap counts, and I mean, it's basically Ben, Geo, and Joe Mixon the entire season. Yep. Samaje Piran has a total of five snaps. Piran, that's who, that's who it is. He's not on their practice back. squad, is he? No, no, no. Travion's the one they're bringing up in the practice squad. Piran's the one who should see just some snaps elevated. Piran was because. good at Oklahoma. That's my only issue. It's like, he's a good back. Um... But I do think you kind of just one of those situations you kind of just have to prove it, right? Like you've been in the league since 2017, you kind of have to prove that you're going to steal take snaps from Gio Bernard first. Can I um, guess your off the board guy? Who? Justin Jackson. Uh yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and take Justin Jackson here. Okay. Um, yeah, he he's a cheater. He he, I typed him in the sheet again early. Um, no, so no, no, no. I, I could have taken Kenyon Drake, but I'm not gonna panic. I'm not gonna think he's back after one good game. I, I'm because a lot of that was one carry late. I'm not gonna freak out. I'm not gonna overreact to that. Seattle's run defense has been pretty good. I think Arizona's gonna have more success through the air in that game. But I think this is a game that you and I both like. I think we like the Chargers to be playing well from in front here against the Jacksonville defense that is just simply bad. Um, I think this Chargers offense is decent. They're coming off the bye week. Um, I, I think Justin Jackson really established himself as the guy in that Saints game. And I think he's going to be the guy moving forward. Like, he was ahead of Joshua Kelly on the depth chart before, like, you know, the whole training camp thing happened and before Justin Jackson got hurt. And I think he showed in that Saints game why. He was better. Um, Kelly kind of was deer in headlights. 
Um, I, so I think Justin Jackson is going to have a majority of the snaps in this game, and I think that he's going to get in that in the end zone. And I, I just want my guys to get in the end zone. If they get in the end zone, they're not going to bust for me, and that's what I'm looking for. I could have taken Todd Gurley against the Lions. I considered that. I considered Swift, but I still think AP has a role in that offense. So I don't want to go overboard there. So I'm going to take Justin Jackson off the board. He's kind of he, he's the alternate. Um, you know, which for me, I guess is probably possible to be used, but, um, either way, I, I, I like Justin Jackson this week. Yeah. I, the reason I initially was thinking about writing up Herbert for my elite fantasy article this week, but the reason I've sort of softened on him is a, he's going to be popular, but B, he just was projecting... going to be popular. Yeah, that's true. With the, with this game coming back to the main slate, um, I do think there is a possibility that that changes. But I think that the game flow will lead to them being up early and probably limit the Herbert ceiling, but then lead to the, you know, your receiver can get you there early and then the running back can get you there late in the game with a big total. So I, I'm not scared to play running back and pass catcher from the same team without the quarterback sort of thing. And that's how I think this game plays out. Yeah, we, I know we really like the Chargers. I was hoping Healy had put his picks into the sheet so I could just see, like, you know what, I'm going to take it. I'm just going to take a peek. Uh, let's unhide the columns here. Uh, let's see. Okay, good. We're going to get that game in on our sheet because uh, Rob's with us on that one. So um, I think we're in good shape on the Chargers, getting them in the contest. Um, yep. So I, I was just curious. I wanted to take a peek. You know what, actually, I'm going to unpeek that because I'm curious to see where we stand uh-oh we're in really lockstep agreement here ricky <laughs> oh no <laughs> how am i the only one that wants the fuck oh, you guys are all delusional <laughs> all right well um right, I gotta you see know what, what? You're looking at. We're, we're, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna talk about the sunday games and we're gonna do them in just the order that we care about the games um instead of just running out of time like because what we used to happen with duke and i we did this is we ran out of time for the good games which is really silly so we're going to start with the games that we have the most interest in from a betting perspective. I'm going first. <laughs> I'm starting with the Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets. Guys, the Jets have not come within 10 of the number since week one. I'm not saying like within 10 points of the opposition. Within 10 points of the closing number. They're horrible. They're so bad. Vegas can't adjust the number fast enough. How are the Jets going to put up more than 10 points on the board again? Even if they put up 14, you're telling me the, the Bills aren't going to put up 27 against the Jets? The, the Bills are going to cover this number coming off of a loss. Like, I don't understand why people are afraid of just betting against the Jets. They're 0-6 against the number. They haven't come close. Like, what? it's a free square. Take the free square. Yeah, they're bad. In hindsight, I think, I don't know if I would have put a five on them just because I hate taking the double-digit favorites. And the Bills have been on the downturn, but this does seem like the perfect like bounce-back spot for us to go. You have a oh, fifth yeah. game, Ricky. Just pop it in. Put it like a two or a one in there. All right, I'll throw, I'll throw a number in there. Yeah. I'll throw a number in there so we can play it. But, yeah, it's just – I bet 
now I'm thinking about it, that after this week, we're back to like, oh yeah, Josh Allen probably is an MVP candidate. It was a rainstorm. I understand it. Why, how could you love Josh Allen the first four weeks and then be like, oh, now he's terrible because it was a monsoon. Like what? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just, I hate playing the favorite side of double digits in NFL, but if there ever was a time to do it, it's against the Jets. I mean, just a reminder, the Jets were favored against the Bron- Buffalo, Bill- the Bro- Denver Broncos three weeks ago. And this guy came on the show and said it's the dumbest line in the history of football. Uh, one of my <laughs> better takes of the year. Uh, just, I, I just, like, if the Jets come within 10 of the number, I will then consider not blindly betting against them. Just come within 10 of the number. So, like, if you close the 11-point <laughs> favorite, like, don't lose by 21+. Plus, and then I will consider not blindly betting against you. Until that point... I kind of just don't see why I just wouldn't blindly bet against them. I know Sam Donald's back, but I got to be honest. Is Sam Donald's like going to make a big difference when Brashad Perriman is the best offensive weapon you got? Like, I'm sorry. He's not Superman. He can't do it all by himself. Right. I, I this is doubtless, this is a spot that I, I fired early in the week. Um, I, I got it at 10 and a half really early in the week, like on Sunday. Um, then it went up to 13. It, it's been bet back down to 11 and a half because Sam Darnold's been ruled in, which is fine. Sam Darnold's probably worth a point and a half. It's just, I just don't see how the Jets keep this close. Like, like the, I guess it could be a repeat of the first game this year where Buffalo got up so big early and then let their foot off the accelerator. Just, But just coming off a loss, I just don't see them co- putting the foot off the accelerator. Yeah, it's just the fact that you're giving up double-digit points. So Those I teams mean... have done fine this year. Like, they've done fine. We've, uh, we we picked against them a couple times in the contest, and it's done us no good. Um, I mean, the one time that we got burned on it was the Giants-Rams game, which I still think was just one of the worst offensive game plans I've ever seen from a coach. So, <laughs> not even sure it was the wrong side still. All right, you're up. Uh, I, I used the Buffalo and the Jets, which, honestly, outside of a betting perspective, is, like, the most boring game in the world. But you can still make some betting money on it, so that's why I started there. I think, given developments, assuming we get a game, you gotta love the Bucks here. Yeah, I mean, minus three and a half against the Raiders is what we got in our sheets. How are the Raiders going to stay competitive in this game with none of their offensive line? I mean, on both sides of the ball, their line is at such a disadvantage. And we learned last week, and we pretty much should have been learning all season long, that this Buccaneers defense is for real. They're one of the best two units in the in the entire league, in my opinion. I mean, DVOA basically, you know, says the same thing. I think they're second. Yeah, another first in DVOA at this point. They eclipsed Pittsburgh. First in passing defense, they've just been dominant there. And you haven't been able to run on them in two seasons. And now that entire offensive line is out. And you look at, you know, the top O-line defensive line advantages of the week. Tampa Bay, Vegas is the number two behind New Orleans, Carolina. So, like, where are the – how are the Raiders going to beat them if they can't win on the offensive or the defensive line? And they're going against just a great defense as a whole. To me, Tampa Bay should cover this number pretty easily. I, I agree. This is an, I, I haven't put many fives on the contest sheet this year. This was another five that I put down I, for all the reasons you just said. I think the yeah. best thing from a DraftKings fantasy perspective is I know that you're not a fan of the, the late night hammer of Seattle, Arizona, but Tampa Vegas getting on the main slate the Tampa Bay defense was the best defensive play. It just wasn't on the main slate. 
And now everyone's talking about, oh, Seattle, Arizona's at 820. And no one's going to mention that the Tampa defense against this terrible Vegas offensive line just got snuck onto the main slate here late. It's, it's going to be one of my biggest stands of the season defensively. I, I just don't know how Tampa doesn't just put up a, a double-digit score from a defense. Like, I, I, I just don't see how. Yeah, it's just a matter of finding salary for that. And, I mean, for at least for a cash game build, I've seen which way I would want to go. I don't play much cash. But from a tournament perspective, going with game stacks, I do think there's a possibility for some more salary to open up. So, yeah, I mean, the the cheap defenses are really ugly, and you're just, like, praying. I mean, Detroit, you're just praying that there's enough dropbacks that they can get to Ryan a few times. I would prefer to have the salary for the more expensive guys. So, basically, if you're willing to fade one of the mid-tier receivers for someone cheap or fade one of the top two backs, which I'm having a really hard time doing because I project them above the field by a decent margin, uh, then you can get to that defense. So for me, it's a matter of roster construction and I got to figure out a way to get a a slightly more expensive defense because I I really do not love, um, you know, diving into the basement this week and praying. Yeah. I just, yeah, for me, Tampa is just such a good option. Um, yeah, the total seems a smidge high because I just don't know how Vegas is going to put up points, but it feels like this line hasn't moved because people are just like, well, either the game gets canceled or these offensive liner, linemen are going to come back, which I think is kind of like a fair way to put it, but like they're not all coming back. We know right. that already. Like a couple of them just can't, like they can't meet the new NFL guidelines to come back in time. So either way, you're going to have an offensive line that's taken zero snaps together. Just like basically walking on the field on Sunday. It, it just, it has disaster written all over it. I, I completely agree with you. All right, you got the third pick, my friend. All right, third pick this week is a little difficult. I'm going to take another one that you agree with. I am going to go with the Lions here against the Falcons. Uh, it just seems like everyone feels that this new coach for the Falcons has righted all their wrongs. And we haven't seen that big Matt Stafford game yet. And I think that's coming here. Look, I projected it last week and it didn't happen, but it's easy to see why. And that's why I'm having second thoughts with Herbert this week. But it's because that defense was so bad in general. And I think that Matt Stafford against the defense that's going to force you to throw, uh, we're going to get the type of Lions performance that we're used to, which is a back and forth game. And I'm just not sold that the Falcons are this greatly improved team. So you give me two points for the Lions playing in a dome where they're comfortable. I think, you know, am I in a hurry to play Lions defense in daily fantasy at a cheap price? No, but do I think they can hold their own enough that Matt Stafford can give us 300 plus yards passing and multiple touchdowns where I think that are coming and play within two, I think the answer is definitely yes. Tell me if I missed anything there, but that that is one of my favorite lines of the week. I, I already bet this one. So um, when I did my my, I threw the lines in Sunday night into my model. I accidentally put it in as Detroit minus three, um, and Atlanta plus three, and my model saw no value. And I, I woke up Monday morning, I think, or maybe it was like late Sunday night. Um, someone goes, "Dude, you have it backwards." It's Atlanta minus three. And I was like, Atlanta minus three? What? <laughs> and yeah. sure enough, I log online. And sure enough, it's Atlanta minus three. Obviously, I fixed the problem in my model, which is a six-point swing. And it's like, 
Detroit in like blaring, you know, red like neon lights. Like Detroit, please. Um, yeah, that Atlanta game was exactly what happens when your coach gets fired. Your defense plays better. They stick to their assignments. They play better. The offense plays better. They got healthy. You can't overreact to that. Like, they still have the same personnel that were choking leads the first four weeks of the season. Granted, the Lions are pretty nicely known for choking leads as well. But I just think the Lions are better. Like, I think they're better at quarterback. I think they're better at running back. I think their wide receivers go toe-to-toe with Atlanta. Atlanta's probably the slight favorite, but not really. And then defensively, I don't think either team is good. So I think I'm getting the better team. It's not like Detroit's not used to playing in a dome. It's going to be an empty dome. They've played in that a few times already this season. So for me, I just think Detroit's the better football team. I know you were on Detroit before even I was. Uh, You were right. Um, This is a good team. Now, for daily fantasy perspective, I think this is going to get pretty ugly outside of Galladay and Stafford. What yep. the Swift AP workload is, I, I think that is a huge question mark. A lot of Swift's work came when they had a big lead. Um, I'm not sure Patricia's just going to walk away from Adrian Peterson like that as much as we would like him to. Marvin Jones hasn't really done much this season. Amendola's still there. Hawkinson who I think is in a prime spot, but they've shown a willingness to throw it to Jesse James sometimes. Right. I, I think this is going to get a little dicey from a fantasy perspective, but I think they put up a lot of points here and win the game. Yeah, I think from a fantasy perspective, I'm fine with the single, single stack and a run back if I'm playing this game. For the those run reasons. back's tough too. That's no gimme, you know. Julio, Gage on a PPR site, Ridley. Ridley. Ridley's got the best individual matchup of the bunch. So Gurley, think... like, Gurley could easily get two touchdowns. Like, it's that's that's a tough game to stack just because yeah. there are a lot of guys on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I agree. But, I mean, again, that's also why it's going to be way lower owned than, let's say, Seattle, Arizona, which is where I'm going to go next here. Um it's the Sunday night hammer, which we have not had on a DFS slate since like 2016, 2017. Um, this game got flat. I don't know if you want to call it flexed. Uh, moved because they were worried about the Raiders game and they didn't want to get stuck without no, a Sunday night football game. Uh, this is one of those games where you try to project the game flow, right? And I try to project the game flow like, for, okay, what happens if Seattle's in front? And if Seattle's in front, I think they're going to run the football more than people think. We kind of saw that happen in the Miami game where they were in front. Then they kind of puckered away that lead and hung on with a late score. Um, then we saw against the Vikings, they were behind and didn't really have a chance to throw the football. Um, or to run the football. I'm still concerned about this team when they get a big lead, are they going to run the football? More than they should. Like, you have Russell Wilson, you have DK Metcalf, you have Tyler Lockett, just throw Just throw and don't think about it twice. Like, I I think Seattle's the better team, but I think they have the worst coaching staff. I think Arizona's figured it out now. Like, I think what we saw last week against Dallas, like, yeah, Dallas' defense has problems, and yeah, so does the Jets. But the play calling was just better. They ran screens, which had just disappeared from their playbook. It stopped the pass rush. Kyler had more time. It just looked like he figured it out. And if Seattle tries to run the football, I just don't know if they're going to win this game. 
yeah, this this is a tough one. This was an avoid for me. For I mean, I could hear the it in your voice that like how how unsure you are depending on the game flow, and that that's kind of where I was there. Yeah, I mean, if Arizona gets out to a lead, this game shoots out. <laughs> like if right. Arizona gets up seven nothing, ten nothing, like this game, the shootout's on. Like it's just on. Like, it, it, uh, this is one of those games that I think I'll just hop on live betting, where it's like, if Arizona gets an early lead, I'm just going to immediately fire the over. Like, just fire yeah. the over, because I, I know how this is going to go. Um, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is going to want to ru- just abuse, run the ball, like, a ton like he did last week against the Cowboys with Drake. Like, it was very ineffective until that long run at the end of the game. I, I just, to me... If you, can't, if you can't tell my voice, I am very much considering being very underweight on this game on the DK main slate. Um, I think it's going to be over-owned because it is the hammer. Uh, the hammers back in the day were always over-owned from a fantasy perspective. I think this game is prime for that because it's pretty easy to stack. Like, Wilson, pick one or two of Lockett and Metcalf, run back with Hopkins or Kirk. It's a really easy game to stack. And... I think I'm going to take a pass. Like, I, I, I'm not convincing myself of that yet. From a betting perspective, I'm out this game pregame. I'll, I'll see what happens in the first couple drives. But fantasy perspective, I think I'm going to have the cojones and just uh, be underweight on this game. I mean, I'm going to have bits and pieces, but it's not my favorite stack of the week, especially when you talk about pricing. Um, that's where it starts to get sticky for me. Is it the Green Bay Houston game, which is where I'm going next? Um, I it's it's actually a lot of that uh, Detroit game that we already talked about. Oh man, I love this Green Bay Houston game. But I, I, I do love this too. I have two pieces written up in my tournament article, which will be out on Saturday. So yes, I do like this game too. Yeah, I, I love this game. Green Bay minus three and a half here. Um, for me, this is just another team that's so easy to stack, like Green Bay. It's Rodgers, it's Aaron Jones, and it's Devontae Adams as your core three guys that you can integrate into your teams. And then you got a couple peripheral pieces. Tanyan, Valdez, Scantling. Um, I don't think St. Brown's... Actually, I didn't look at the Green Bay snap charts. Who was the third receiver for Green Bay last week? It was... Oh, Malik Taylor, but he lost a lot of snaps to St. Brown coming off the IL. Interesting. Hmm... Yeah, I think Valdez Scantling is kind of like the last guy I would use. Tanyan, by the way, only played fifty nine percent of snaps, and he can't, is he going to play this week? Yeah, I think he was hurting, but he's. I think he's truly questionable this week, Man, so I'm not if, sure. If Tanyan sits, I quickly very much like like one of the cheap Green Bay guys. I would mix in like a, a, a Malik Taylor or a St. Brown into my script and know that I could take a zero. So I'm talking like small dosages, but. Um, I just think they're going to put up a ton of points against Houston. And Houston on the yep. other side against this Green Bay defense, I think we saw last week there's a lot of ways that you can beat this Green Bay defense. You can run, you can throw, you can run, you can throw. And I think this is kind of a Houston team that, shockingly, I'm going to say, under Romeo Cronell, has like been really good at play calling and being decisive and going for the win I just thought we were going to get a pucker, pucker, pucker offense, and he's just like, screw it. I'm not getting this head coaching job anyways. Let's go be aggressive. 
Yeah, and what I love about targeting the Screen Bay defense is you know that the wide receiver one is basically canceled. So where where are the targets going besides that? And I guess with Will Fuller, because he's a speedster, you don't have to fully cancel him. Like he easily could just run past Alexander. But I'm pretty I'm honestly Jalen Alexander is just straight up on the cancel list for me. Yeah, that's where I am. And so Brandon Cooks is a guy who made my article again. I mean, he's Darren Fells if you're looking for a cheap tight end. Yeah, it doesn't look like Aikens is playing. Uh, although Fells isn't that cheap. He's 4100 on DraftKings. 4100 so, Yeah, his price has gotten up there. Exactly. That's why wow. Brandon Cooks Brandon Cooks at 5200 is the cream of the crop for me. Dude's Did Farrell Brown get passes. any catches or no? Is it all blocking? I don't know, but I think Godwin was on his way to eclipsing the props last week if Green Bay would have just put up a friggin' fight. Yo, I mean, yo, it looked for sure. For sure. I mean, he, he was at five receptions, I think, in the first half and then didn't catch a pass in the second half. They didn't and throw the receiving, in the second half, did they? No, the receiving prop was five and a half. He, like, wasn't that far below the receiving yards number. So from that perspective, it was a very tilting prop game. Oh. But I still feel like this should be a competitive game. And as long as, you know, Green Bay puts up a fight here, I think Brandon Cooks gets as close to double-digit receptions again at just a great number. So from a fantasy perspective, I'm way on him. Uh, I agree with your assessment uh, from a betting perspective. And Aaron Jones is a guy that I feel like would be an anti-siege lock, but I am considering a lock button on him this week. Aaron I Jones, him. I took him in the running back draft. What do you mean? Well, because, well let me, because he's another like 50-some percent snap guy. Uh, like Jonathan Taylor, but I guess he's more of a proven guy. He's not guy. a 50% snap guy. I mean, his last two games, 57 and 53% of the snap. Okay, before the bye, like, that game was in control early on, and that was a weird game where they were getting, like, they had a bunch of packages for Jamal and Irvin. Um, and then last week, that game was out of hands, like, really early. Like, That's they, true. they basically, even A.J. Dillon got 10 snaps, like, He's not a 50% guy. He's like a okay. 60, 65% guy. I, I'm not freaking out about this. Um, Good. Look, it's a bluntly 55% even of the snaps in this game is a lot better than a lot of majority of 100% in some of these <laughs> other games. Yeah, okay, like, good. I'm, I'm glad you're on that team. I thought I was going to get blowback from saying, like, nah. literally I might play him on every high-stakes team this week, and I thought I was going to get the, well, what about the 56% snap rate for the year? And no, I mean, yeah, so. for a lot of guys that matters, but for, for like, a stud, it does. I mean, it's weird, but I'm not, like, freaking out about it. Like, there's uh, just going to be so many snaps to go around, I'm just not freaking out about it. Okay, I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, and, and you have to remember, too, like, they have a, two running backs on the field for a lot of these snaps, too, which just kind of plays around with the numbers a little bit. I have one more bet I'm passionate about this week. Okay. That would be the Chargers. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember when you th you posted in a chat, like, I think it was two, a couple of days ago, you are like, I'm going to be on an island on this game. And I was like, if it's the Chargers from a betting perspective, you're not going to be on an island <laughs> on this one. I mean, I have had like a whole spiritual awakening in the last four weeks with Justin Herbert. I went from at the draft, like, why would someone draft this I'm guy? Not I, I'm not sure Herbert's this good. This could easily be like the flash in a pan like we saw Baker Mayfield's rookie year. I don't know, man. He's done it. He's against... looked good. He's looked good, but so did Baker Mayfield. Remember? Everyone's like, oh, the, the 
the Browns got it right, and they finally drafted this quarterback, whatever, and then he just kind of just, like, has done not a sense. Right? But these have been in very tough matchups. He's faced three top 10 DVOA defenses so far out of four games. I'm not disputing that he's looked good against tough defenses. The reason I just don't – I love the Chargers this week is because the Jaguars are trash. Yes. Yes, I, I was getting there. But, yes, okay. I, think, I think they'll be able to do whatever they want against him with a good quarterback. They can't stop the run. Justin Jackson, I think, should be productive. So it's like – you know, how are they going to put up much of a fight? I just think this Chargers team is the best one in four team that I've seen in a while. They've been giving everyone a fight. Herbert has been playing great. Now you put them against an awful, awful defense, and I think they're going to crush. I mean, I think they win this game by two touchdowns plus. I mean, the Panthers' loss was the one that was just so inexcusable. Uh, that's the one where he looked like a rookie. Um, but Still through I, 330 and a touchdown, but yes, that was he, the one with the lowest quarterback rating. Yes. Um, but it's the Jaguars. I'm just happy to bet against anyone against the Jaguars right now. They're just bad. Um, and the biggest problem from a daily fantasy perspective, now for two weeks, for two weeks I have fallen into the same bleeping trap of, I knew it was a trap a second time, which is my own fault. This offense isn't any good. Stop running it back with people. They're not good. They're bad. They put up 14 against, 16 against the Lions, 14 against the Texans, 25 against the Bengals. Hold on to that thought for just a second. 13 against the Dolphins. Like, been bad. They were good the first two weeks, and they've been just bad since. I, I, I just, and I'm in the same situation this week against the Chargers defense. I don't want to run it back with anyone again. I'll probably have some Chenault in my pool, because God forbid if he goes for 8 and 100, I'll want to punch something after last week. But I'm not... <laughs> I'm going to have some rules where it's just like, it's not going to be a rule like the old days where you had to, you know, be like at least one. Like now it's like, okay, if I'm playing Chargers, let me just bump up the projection of Chanel by 15%. And then whatever I get, I get. Like, yeah. I, I, I love that rule from Fantasy Cruncher. It's just, that's a game changer. But I'll have a tutorial on that in Elite Fantasy at some point when I just stop uh, toying around with it all the time. Like every day of the week, just like creating new rules and just be like, Ooh, I'll say him like twelve percent, please. I eventually need to do something more scientific than just hitting the button and taking a guess. I'm sure there's a way for me to figure out exactly like what percentage it goes up when the player does well, but haven't done that yet, to be honest. Um, all right, is that it for this game? Like, I, I think that I think Justin Jackson's a sneaky play. Um, Ian Allen. So that's the other thing. DraftKings this week. My two potential lock buttons, like I'm going to run sort of a tight core with, with contrarian plays around them, is Keenan Allen. I don't see how Keenan Allen does not just dominate in the reception department. He I know can we do exactly about, what happened to Chris Godwin last week. That's how he doesn't dominate. The problem with them is the way their offense works is it's not the same, I don't think, as, as uh, Tampa Bay. I think he basically is their short-running game along with their running game, you know? I, mean, they just... I don't disagree with you, but you just asked how it failed. That's how it fails is they, you know, they throw a pick six, uh, but... Chargers get up to a lead, then it's 21 nothing quickly, and then they start, you know, limiting his snap counts. Like, that's that's how it happens. 
I I think even in the doomsday scenario, you're getting like seven for seventy with Keenan Allen, and he's sixty two hundred. Like in my opinion, against the Jaguars, I would probably consider paying eight thousand for him. I'm here. not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, like you asked me how it fails. I'm just telling you how it fails. I, I think no, 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 you're. And again, it's a, a pass catcher against this team that you know we saw the Lions slow it down with uh, running the ball. So yes. Of course, that's within the range of outcomes. But Kenny Galladay got you a hundred, so he didn't kill you. Yeah, and that was. Well, kind of a... I mean, that was a little uh, lucky, lucky to be honest. Okay, but I think Keenan is more consistently involved in the offense than Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay can be used at times as a downfield threat. Keenan Allen could be used as their running back too. It, you know, if the running game, if there's a short first down run, it's like all right, our next play is actually a short run, but it's a slant to Kenny to Keenan Allen because that's a lot. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I think he's a really good play this week. I don't think I would lock him on this slate. I think this is one of the stronger wide receiver slates than we have on the entire season. 6,200, that number keeps jumping out to me. Just like where pricing I thought he was going to be like priced. Pricing in D- D- fantasy is so overrated sometimes where it's like, yeah, like 6,200 is nice, but you have to worry about ceiling sometimes. Like, at the end of the day, like you're not going to win a tournament without some ceiling. Like, yeah, it's a nice value, but if he doesn't put up 20 to 24... You're not winning a tournament. It's like, you know, I, I don't. I'm not saying he doesn't have a ceiling in this spot. I'm just saying, like, really hard for me to lock button him this week when I just look at this. this like, we've got, you know, Marvin. The or, I'm sorry, uh, we got Galladay, the Atlanta guys. Um, you know, we've got the Bills guy. We've got Stephon Diggs against the Jets. We've got, you know, this is Devontae by the way. Adams. We've got Cobb. We've got Cooks. We've got Lockett, Metcalf, Hopkins. Um, we haven't even talked about the Chiefs yet. Like the, this is one of the stronger wide receiver slates we've had on the entire slate. We haven't even mentioned Pittsburgh, Tennessee in a fifty total with AJ yeah. Brown. Like it's just a really strong wide receiver spot. And I haven't even mentioned Odo Beckham against the Bengals yet. Like it is right. just a strong, strong wide receiver slate. Gonna be tough for me to be taking a lot kind of stand on anyone on this slate. I want to be overweight on as many of those guys as I can be. I'd just like to note how funny it is that we've basically made a full reversal in roles that I'm the one who wants to take a stand and you're and you're the one who's telling me, well, actually, you probably should spread it out because it feels like every Sunday show it's the exact opposite. Oh, it is the exact opposite. It, it's <laughs> not, this, is not normal, this is not normally my thing. It's just this week I just – I feel really strong that, like, there are a lot of elite receivers and four to seven of them are going to pop. And if I yeah. pick the wrong one to lock, it's just going to suck. Stand week for me turns out to be, actually, I'm not taking a stand week for Siege, which is well, actually, it's I, just really funny. I want to talk about Cleveland-Cincinnati because I could get talked into taking a stand on this game. Okay. The total's 50 and a half. It's a three-point spread. Um, and the total's been bet down from the open, which is just weird to me. This Bengals defense quietly is kind of really, really bad. Yep. Like, since the opener against the Chargers and Tyrod Taylor, they have conceded 35, 23, 25 to the Jaguars, 27, 31. And these aren't, like, top-end offenses that I'm listing off. The Browns, they gave up 35 last time they played. The Eagles, they gave up 23, which is, you know... Like, not great for the Eagles. 25 of the Jaguars. 27 of the Ravens. Which, okay, maybe that's not bad. But they didn't really try for two quarters. 
and they gave up 31 to the Colts. Like, they might just be really bad. Yeah, I, I think I buy into the fact that they are. And then on the Browns' side, like, their defense hasn't done a whole lot either. They've given up 38, 23, 38, 20 to the football team, and 30 to the Bengals. Like, they haven't played great defense either. Right. I know it's a second-time division game, which is what scares me a smidge here, but I'm just not sure who's stopping anyone here. <laughs> I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, that, that Cleveland offensive line dominated the last time in this one. Remember, that was the game where Chubb went for 124-2, and two, and even Kareem Hunt had 86 yards rushing and a touchdown, and now it's mostly the Kareem Hunt show, so... I mean, and the move that Gio Bernard just screams to me that the Bengals are just going to line up and throw the ball a ton, too. Right. That's the part where I was like, okay, well, maybe Cincinnati tries to slow this down this time. Gio Bernard running up the middle is not a game plan. As much as his good DFS no. value as he is, that's not a game plan. No, and you're happy. In fact, you're happy for them to run the hap- the pass-happy offense if you're rostering Gio Bernard. Just give me the dump-offs. Right. Give me Mike Davis game. Give me, you know, eight for eight in the receiving department, and then you don't care what he does on the ground. You say I'm not taking a stand. This game, I could just really see myself just being like, I mean, Odell Beckham's going to do whatever the darn old hell he pleases in this game. I, I just, I really, I just more think about this game, it's just like it's a condensed Tree from the Cleveland side. It's going to be Hunt. It's going to be Beckham. It's going to be Landry. And I know we, we're going to talk about some value tight ends on Sunday on our fantasy show and whatever. But like Cleveland's been a pretty condensed target tree this year. Um, yeah, and can can I just say something for one second? Is that you know when you stack a team, it doesn't necessarily need to be like quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver, and the run back. There's at least three teams that we've already talked about that we know where most of the offense is going. I think you can play a lot of different running back wide receiver from the same teams this week, which is not a strategy that people love to employ. But remember like Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, when they were on the same team, they were winning tournaments on this, you know, basically concurrently on a weekly basis. I think we've got potential for... Justin Jackson, Keenan Allen. We've got potential for Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. And this game, we've got a potential for Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham. You don't have to play the quarterback. Just play a majority of the offense. And I think those duos have a chance to, to truly smash. And don't be surprised if you see two players from the same team at different positions without the quarterback in a winning lineup this week. This is why it's so hard for me to take a stand this week. It's just there's so many good spots. And we haven't even yeah. talked about Kansas City going into Denver yet. It's like Kelsey's in a fantastic spot. Um, yeah, this is going to be one hell of a fantasy slate. Oh, my God. This just came up on Twitter. Aaron Jones suffered a very mild calf strain in practice Thursday. Jones wants to play Sunday against the te- Texans, but sounds like it'll be a game-time decision. Oh, God. Well, that changes things. Yeah. <laughs> well, that changes things. God, talk about making the slate wide open and insanely high scoring. Jamal yep. Adams or Jamal Williams and DJ Dillon chalk would be. Whew. Wow. Yeah, that would change a lot. Yep. Is Tyler Irvin back this week? 
I didn't see that. I didn't look. Because honestly, it didn't matter till two seconds ago. Right. Let's check our good old friend, the Twitter search button. No, Tyler Irvin's not practicing either. Tanyan returned back to, or excuse me, Ta uh, Funyan returned to uh, refer, yeah. re uh, uh, returned to practice. So yeah, that's good. At least he'll play. Well, that would definitely just change everything from a fantasy perspective. From a betting perspective, that would just shoot out central at that point. I mean, correct. Yeah, that that would definitely uh, shake things up. All right, let's. We got time for one more game, I think, maybe two, depending on how fast we go. You, you got one more. One more, I think. Oh yes, I do have one more. The Cowboys. Yeah. The Washington... Good luck. Good luck talking me into playing anything from this game. Well, unless you're, you're going to tell about... me that, that that we're all overreacting to Dallas and to play the Dallas onslaught. I'm talking about the Dallas betting line. I'm not talking about from fantasy. I thought we were approaching it that way. And I we see are. you have them on the sheet, uh, by the way, that you have the Cowboys as the pick em. Look, Andy Dalton isn't great. but And by the way, that their guard is out. We're getting a McGovern start at left guard this week. So more injuries to that offense. But I still think what's left of the Cowboys is better than Washington. I mean, Washington is dump-off central. I think Terry McLaurin by the way, is a very good play this week just because Dallas can't stop anything and he seems to be the one bright spot in the offense with any semblance of upside and they're peppering him with targets and I just don't see anyone in the Dallas secondary that scares me. So I think Terry McLaurin is someone who should be in your player pool. But other than that, I don't see you know you running out of your way to play any single specific player in daily fantasy unless you, you think that Zeke can hold on to the ball and have this solid workload. But Pollard, I, I clearly think, you know, will have a role. But I just think they're a better team than Washington. Like, Washington's got a decent defensive line. You know, Chase Young, you're worried he's going to chase after the quarterback. I don't think this is going to be an incredibly high-scoring game, but I think Zeke and the Cowboys' run game should be able to keep them ahead in this one. I just don't see how Washington, you know, competes with, with anyone these days. There's just not much to their offense. It's it's ugly. It's sort of like Kyle Allen with Carolina, where they give you 12 points, and that was it. And I think the Cowboys against Washington should be able to give us slightly more. And that's the reason that if you're giving me a pick them, just give me the team that I think has more talent from top to bottom with the Cowboys. Yeah. This, this is just a situation where we have like Dallas's defense has gotten all criticized for being terrible and they haven't been great, but they've kind of also faced murderers row in offenses, Rams, Falcons, Seahawks, Browns, Giants, Cardinals, and the Giants game like was going fine until a Dak injury. Like, I'm not I'm not saying they're good, but I'm also not saying they're as bad as people think they are. And I, this Washington offense led by Kyle Allen is like Look, if they're that bad and I lose this pick, then I just lose this pick. Like I I'm just not Dallas is a better football team. I'm taking Dallas. Like you're not making me give up any yep. points. Just just give me the team that's better and if I lose, I lose. Exactly. Yeah, I, exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. All right, amazing. We didn't even talk about Pittsburgh, Tennessee, which is fine because I just I hate both those teams. I don't know what I would do. Uh, that that to me is just a total stay away. That's the two teams I've been most wrong about this season. So I just don't want to start now giving advice on Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Like 
I have a clue on what those teams were because I thought both those teams were overrated, and I still kind of think it is the case in the Pittsburgh side. I still think they're overrated, but. I, it's hard for me to keep saying that. Like, we are now on week six, and I think I've been saying that since week one. So, you know, I think it's maybe time to take a little break from that. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, all right. I think that's it, Ricky. You got anything else you want to mention here? No, I think we covered most of it. Uh, I mean, most of my exposure is going to be from the best games of the week. I'm just going to try and do it in a contrarian manner, but. I think we hit on some of the other spots to attack. I think one guy that we maybe should hit on now is that John Brown is out. That I think Gabriel Davis is a really good way to go cheap somewhere if you want to spend up absolutely everywhere else. I will have some Gabriel Davis just to make some lineups work and just so I don't have to plug my nose at the tight end position uh, and you know play guys who are the bare minimum. I think Harrison Bryant is someone that people are going to be playing now who's going to be splitting snaps with Njoku. That's an interesting way for you to spin that now, Ricky. Huh. I mean, I I looked at it at first. And I didn't realize how close the the targets and snaps had been for Harrison Bryant. Uh, huh. I think I, I think I would rather play. I would rather find the money to play a Hunter Henry or a Hawkinson or a Noah Fant or one of those guys, which I think I can do with Gabriel Davis. So th- it was it was because I was looking at roster for. Pers- construction from one way and we've since gotten a bunch of news since we started this pod so i think i don't have to go to a joku now yeah no i, I think we hopefully will be good not have to play those terrible tight ends all right guys we'll be back again next week just a reminder if you haven't already leave us a five-star re- uh, review on itunes we greatly do appreciate that if you're watching it on youtube feel free to hit that like button as well we greatly do appreciate that we'll be back next week Hopefully, with me finally having a lead in the running back battle, I had been in, in big trouble before you joined, Ricky. I was down two. I was down two pretty early on, and uh, had finally just gotten it back to all square with an overall point lead. So, uh, hopefully, I can continue my hot ways here against you this week. Well, I got the first pick, so I'm feeling good at least about one of my running backs. <laughs> oh, great! That's right. I took Aaron Jones. Well, all right, Justin. Oh, can I take another all back? Oh. This is going to suck if I'm going to lose because I get freaking Aaron Jones and Ronald Jones. I told you I would have traded for Aaron Jones, but now that's my right, offer is off the about that. God, that's going to age so poorly when people listen to that and be like, oh, CJ. Oh, no. No, no, no. That didn't age well at all. Uh, well, I know, I know what I'm going to put in the headline now. Take that didn't even last until the podcast aired. Alrighty. All right, guys. We'll see you next week.